Welcome to the Kiting Podcast, where we celebrate everyday stories and journeys around mental health. I'm your host, Lily Ash, and I'm excited to be your companion through these stories. Kite is an old Scots word, meaning to make visible through words or actions. And we want to make visible the messiness, the growth, the still in process, and the wisdom of different experiences of mental health. So come along for stories and conversations of surprising depth and diversity. This first season has been made possible by the generous support from Unlimited. So thanks to them. Hey everybody, Lily here and welcome to the second episode of Kiving. We're really glad to have you. If you haven't already, you can take a listen to our first episode. And actually next week, we'll be doing a bonus episode to kind of explain a bit more about the real talk process, about how Kaithing came to be, and why the format is the format. So stay tuned for that. So I'm really excited to introduce to you today, Stanley. And Stanley is in his mid-30s, he lives in Glasgow in Scotland, and he actually works in the NHS in mental health. And Stanley first came along and connected with Real Talk and then later on Kiving as an audience member, actually. And after seeing many different events, he finally decided that he had a story he wanted to share. And so he came ahead and became a speaker. And in his free time, Stanley loves to swing dance, which is funny because I really do too. And so we've actually seen each other swing dancing, which is great. And I guess before we begin, I'd like to provide a trigger warning for this episode so there's going to be some pretty explicit description of child abuse um, and also of racism. And, and Stanley will also give a trigger warning as well. But I just wanted to prepare you so that if you need to either not listen to that episode, if that connects too closely with you, or if you need to pause at any point and return to the episode after listening, um, just to feel free to do so and to make sure to take care of yourself too. So without any further ado, here's Stanley. So my story is called um, Trigger Warning, Child Abuse and Racial Discrimination. Um, whenever I was asked about um, my childhood or my very early years, the first memory that comes to mind is um, a scene where I was just getting um, beaten um, over um, with a stick by my dad. Um, I think they were like those were the days when like he would just find any sort of excuse uh, to just uh, you know leaving crap over me, and we were, you know as a child I was I was very confused, and it like I I don't understand like obviously if I did something like perceived as uh, wrong or such, um I'd be punished for it and but the the boundaries between what is okay to do and what's not were very um, muddy because it, I don't know it just seems like I just get beaten in any way. Alongside of that um, my mother was also a very um, emotionally manipulative um, person as I was as, as I would discover in, in the later years obviously as a kid I have no idea I just think there was a, a, a lovely, lovely mom who only um, um, physically pun punish me slightly, you know, um, to to what is apparently more culturally um, appropriate at the time. Um, but there was a lot of like manipulation into how I behaved, and 
control. Um, and very specifically, uh, I remember this um, ad um, in in um, in Hong Kong at the time. Um, like the, it, there was a a public health campaign against child abuse, and it was raising awareness as to what constitutes child abuse. And basically, it was just depicting what, what I was experiencing physically. And you know, obviously, I, it, it was an ad that pretty much just came on like every other ad break. <laughs> and and eventually I, I asked my parents like is it so so um you know what what dad's doing to me is that not child abuse and I asked my mom first and and then I asked my dad and of course um <laughs> I, I got um you know um just whacked all over the place um and you know that that's how I was um, um duly informed that it's not child abuse that I was experiencing. Um, so, um, violence from adults and, you know, it was kind of a normality for me. I wasn't allowed to, you know, go outside and make friends, um, outside of school. So I'm allowed to have friends inside school, but not outside of school. Anyway, it was a very strange childhood. Um, and, um, or, or, or people that were approved by my parents as such. So, like, yeah. Anyway, um, I, uh. You know, later I was I was sent to um, a, a state boarding school um, in in Cumbria, um, and there I I experienced um, um, some. Actually, I'm just going to describe what it is. So basically, there was this aptitude test um, as one of the first things that we did. Um, after the test, I was asked to like stay behind in school, and basically the teacher was trying to get me to like change my answers on the test because I'm pretty sure I got all of them right or all of them bar one um and when I say like when I asked why and in very broken English <laughs> like I just I don't understand like you know if you have questions you answer them correctly that's what you do in the class um and she, she just started like slapping me across the face repeatedly and I was just crying my eyes out and but to me, like, I I didn't actually realize what she was doing was um, completely inappropriate and unacceptable until I don't know sometime after I left school actually, because to me, um, violence from adults are in weird ways appropriate um, or acceptable, and so you know all she did all she had to do was slap me enough times and to make and to, to get, eventually change the answers. And I also remember this other time um, when I was asked by another student to um, go outside from from this lockery area outside the dining area outside the dining hall um, through to the to the to the play, playground, um, and I I wondered what it was and I I, walk, I walked through the doors and and as soon as I did, like this cupcake just flew into my face, <laughs> and, and then. Um, um, uh, one of the, the other, um, I think he was a, a year above me. Um, just I don't know. I think he was shouting all, all sorts of abuse and basically like say said to me like, um, "Don't you ever come outside again? Like I'm just gonna like beat the living crap out of you or something along the lines of that effect." And like to to me, like obviously I was still like hurt and stuff and crying etc. But in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, so this is how people learn to become like 
violent and behave like so <laughs> as they grow up. Um, and uh, so, like these sort of things, like I, I just kept experiencing experiencing them for some very I don't know why. Like I'm sure that's not a normal life that most people go through when they when they when they go through like a childhood and and school. Um, by the uh, by, my late teenage years, I was very flawed in my character as a result of a mix of like my home environment, and my mother's control, and my school experience. Um, I was a very, very um, arrogant, um, somewhat aggressive, naive, petulant thing, and um, for quite a few years, I I had very strong. Um, prejudices myself, and I'm pretty sure I'm, I could be labelled as a um, as a racist myself as such, and just had a style of thinking that if people come across, you know, have have a certain appearance that somehow that their other sides of their characters um, can be judged, which is very strange, and it, things were like really only started to like break loose. Um, when I um when when I eventually bothered to look up what what the word um, arrogant meant in in, in the dictionary, um, I, I was so arrogant I, I didn't even like look at the dictionary to look up what things meant. I just had this idea that I just knew everything. You know? Very strange. <laughs> um, and I like eventually I'm like you know, and I I came to realize like obviously, I I guess I don't know I I guess you you just grow up to a point and realize. Actually, the the world is right, and you well, not not the world is right, but you know, like I was in the wrong a lot of times, um, and I started looking at myself, like my whole personality and how I had problems like forming um, social connections and relationships with people, and I realized actually, you know, arrogance is obviously not the thing to have, and so I started like working to like removing it. From, from my personality. It took 10 years eventually. But um, partway through that, when I did like completely remove that side of me, it left this giant hole in my personality because I was basically like the embodiment of arrogance, honestly. It was so bad. <laughs> and that's when I took it out. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, like it was, there's nothing left. It's, it's like a, a person, an empty shell. And... and so I, I, you know, obviously I, I started to like put little bits of, or, or just like, I don't know. I, I try to slot like different bits of like um, character characteristics um, into it um, to try and rebuild a personality um, to find some interests and in, in stuff that I enjoy doing. Um, took a few years, and you know, looking back. Um, I, I do remember, uh, you know, part of me thinks, okay, these people aren't very nice. A lot of the people that I came across aren't nice. But actually, I probably won't be too nice to the to the 12, 13-year-old version of me too. It's just, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you, you're literally asking for people to not like you <laughs> when you come across it in a way that you did. Um, and I, I guess, like, and like um, and to this sort of like um, in in the, in the present time, I'm still working on like having 
proper boundaries with, with my parents. I had to like cut them off for, for some time. Um, and then, and then, um, and then reintroduce some connections that are like appropriate. Um, and today, um, I am still, um, to a very small degree, I think. I, I like to think that I've come a long way and things have gone, been going quite well for the last few years. Um, so, um, continuing this this journey of um, working on um, improving or, or building up on my character. Hmm. Uh, thank you. Pleased to so, see you again. <laughs> yeah, pleased to see you. We were just chatting before uh, yeah. getting things kicked <laughs> off. But um, yeah, I'm really, really excited to have you here. And so I guess I just wanted to ask you about how you feel now. So the other week, um, you, well, a few weeks ago, you went through the kind of story crafting process, and mm. then you went ahead and shared a story that you'd made with an audience and in fact it was the second time you've done that with Real Talk um yeah. so what was that like um I, I don't know I, th I think initially I thought it was quite weird because um you know with COVID and stuff like you, you have all these like Zoom stuff and I don't obviously don't really talk to people outside of work um and and you know it, it was a bit strange it was like Oh, so this is what it's like, what people have been living their lives like, because, you know, <laughs> apparently all the, all the gatherings have been like on Zoom and stuff. So, yeah, um, the, the process, um, I, I guess I, you know, rem remember it a lot more than, than the first time, um, because the first time was a few years ago now. Um, um, it's great to get a refresher, I guess, in, in the storytelling process um how how we um i, I don't know I, I, I just i basically just saw your email and i'm like oh yeah i want to talk about the other thing that i didn't talk about last time <laughs> mm -hmm. um so so that's how it came to me i don't know so i got you can answer the question <laughs> that's okay don't worry um did you have so like right after the session ended and right. yeah actually it was slightly awkward because it was online and we were moving between technology platforms and all this stuff um what was the feeling you were left with did that feel leaving or weird or something else that i haven't thought of okay in the first session i had some doubts about whether i really wanted to talk about what i was going to talk about um because i realized um those memories uh, were being compartmentalized rather than dealt with as such, and 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 so I wasn't too sure um, if I could actually um, come and and discuss them because as opposed to to the um, the first time when I was on Real Talk, I spoke about things that I actually saw as an adventure rather than rather than you know dealing with whatever really happened in the past whereas this time i actually spoke about um how everything um kind of came to be and uh, which in, involved a lot of my personal um experiences in the past 
Um, but in, in terms of the um, creation process, um, I think I really enjoyed the session in how we, we use various um, diagrams and maps um, of how a story is, is created. Well, to say apart from I really enjoy the process and being able to have a platform to speak about my experience and um, being able to share it um, with people. Mm. Thanks. So that that gets me curious because you were saying you had you know the story that you shared the first time and that one maybe felt a bit more comfortable and this second time you shared something different and so mm. why now? Why this story? Why did that feel like it was the one that was speaking to you if you know or maybe just felt it in your bones I, I guess it was perhaps I saw it as a, as a challenge the second time um, the first time I really just wanted to share an adventure of Rebel Day it was so much fun I was having I <laughs> 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 was like you know dealing with like real life and stuff um, um, the second time I um, so in in the last you know couple of years, um, of of working in mental health and and reading um, what's been going on in in society in, in general, um, I you know I, I was able to like identify some of the experience that I've been reading um, or coming across in work or outside of work um, with my own experiences, um, and looking back I think things actually started to make a lot more sense um, of what was actually happening. Um, um, for example, the part where I, I spoke about being um, you know, abused by a guy teacher as such, um, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't occur to me that that was you know, very mm. severe um, abuse and discrimination. Well, it was, I, I know it was discrimination, but I didn't really understand the magnitude or, or the extent uh, that it would have had on on any ordinary student at that age, mm. and, and that's just the last couple of years. Um, so um, I I felt more um, I felt that I had more insights into speaking about the experience um, than I would have previously. I used to be just really angry and uh, unhappy about what happened. Um, I kind of still am. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but, um, but now it, I, I don't know. I, 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 I guess I'm just starting to change my, my perspective has kind of changed. Yeah, a little. Mm. That's really interesting because I guess we can have these different parts of ourselves, right? Like the parts that learn the language for things that we didn't realize before the parts that are still angry and the parts yeah. that are trying to make sense um so that's really that's really interesting thanks and it gets me curious because actually the the next thing i was i wanted to ask you about was if you think that your stories have changed over time and if so how and i feel like it kind of touches into what you were just saying before about learning and um so in terms of like reality, I don't think the facts have changed. Um, what's happened has happened. But what's, what's changed is the perspective on how, how we perceive 
um, the, the events as such. And when, when I was actually going through the, my experiences as a person, as a, as a child and then teenager, adult, etc., um, feelings are very raw, they're very, um, and, and I would say they're much more physical than emotional. Imagine mm. getting a cupcake going in your face at high velocity, I would like to, you know, <laughs> just someone being nice and, you know, he's, you know, <laughs> a cupcake and you just missed it, <laughs> miscatching it. Um, you know, the, 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 the pain was much more physical, you know, the teachers were repeatedly slapping me in the face and, um, you know, being beaten every day by, by that. Like, those are things like, I, I really don't think that as a child or even as a teenager, I recognize the emotional trauma. Because what I would remember much more is the physical pain. Um, now I, I'm like you know it's it's obviously the pain is you know long gone and I probably don't even remember it properly, um, but I recognize the nature of those in in incidences and how they came to be, how society has has labeled them as such because, right, you know I I know I'm a bit. I don't know, um, non-mainstream on this, but I don't believe that. Like, we, we don't always, we haven't always called child abuse child abuse. It was something else in, you know, um, in, in the past. And to a lot of people, it would have been normal behavior. And except in, in recent times, people have advocated and, and you know, when, campaigns except for to, to label child abuse as ch as child abuse and similarly um to uh in, in in the realms of um racism and discrimination um you know yes at some point like discrimination has always been discrimination that is what it is mm -hmm. but the, the the morals around it you know in terms of rights and as such um I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this publicly, but like it wouldn't have always been wrong as such to discriminate against other people. It's only um, today with with how how, how the world has, has moved in you know, the, the forward thinking direction that we have moved towards that we have built up this increasing awareness. Um, of how you know these sort of activities are unacceptable. Mm. I feel like I'm talking at a tangent. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Stanley, please don't apologize. No, I think that was really powerful. And yeah, I think just first just struck by the kind of physical and emotional pain that you articulated and have had to carry. And you know, just that my heart goes out to you for that and just gratitude that you feel comfortable to share that that here and and the hope that maybe someone else who might have experienced similar things might be able to listen and and learn or understand something slightly different um by listening to you and so yeah and, and I guess just really struck as well by this sense of perspective shift you're talking about like not only in yourself like your perspective has changed 
over time about what you experience, but then almost like culturally in society, our perspectives have shifted, you know, whether that's around discrimination or as you were saying about child abuse, like, yeah, I guess collectively we, we have these perspective shifts and, and those are really important to name and acknowledge too, I think. So, yeah, I hear you. Thanks, I mean, um, yeah. I don't know, society's moving towards a, uh, you know, right direction, so I'm in favor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what we're, that's what we're hoping and fighting for, isn't it, huh? Um, but I wanted to ask you next around, I guess, lessons, maybe. So there's a sense of a journey that I get, or I think that we all have as being human and our perspective shifts because we've gone through time and we've experienced new things and we've taken in new information or whatever it is that causes that. Um, and so I'm wondering if you have a sense of any lessons or things that you've taken away with you from your journey so far. Okay. So I, I'm the soft person that learns from mistakes. Um, um I I don't know, like I, I guess for for the I I have this idea in my head where the normal person um listens to things and learn from it and grows from it and so would rarely or may even never be the actual very intelligent kinds never actually make and experience those sort of mistakes. Whereas I I'm like if I get told something, if I do certain things then X would happen and X might be a really negative thing or essentially wrong to do. I, I don't know why and I, you know, I may not know about it at all. I may be very ignorant about, you know, certain ideas and I am, I'm just a, just a person who, who just <laughs> makes those mistakes. Like even like in terms of like in, in the, in the personally or such like, um, but at the same time, I do feel that because of my upbringing, um, I I was a very um, may may still be a very naive person, um, very immature and lacking of um, a lack in um, understanding of social conventions and um, in terms of how people um, connect and communicate. Um, on the very, very superficial side, I may seem okay about it. I may seem to be at least all right at it. But if anyone scratched just the slightest of the, of the surface, um, they would come to realize that actually this guy is no actually like beyond nothing, um, not much beyond nothing. And for many years, um, I was like that. And I was, um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I, I think in my, in my late teenage years, I was still someone who was very stuck in my ways and um, believed my 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 experience to be the um, to be that of a, a, a special one compared to to others, and that despite the entire world telling me otherwise, <laughs> I just, I just you know I, I still carry on and. I know that's how some some stars come to be, and because they stuck to whatever it is they have, and so they <laughs> become famous and success in the end, successful in the end. Whereas I was actually totally, completely 
like just plain wrong at the end. <laughs> um, so oh. you know, um, um, very basic things like um, actually, no, uh, <laughs> um, arrogance, for example, which is something I I, I spoke about. I think. Um, like I just had no idea. I was so arrogant to the point that I I, would, I didn't even like bother to look up the word arrogance, arrogance um, or, or arrogant um, in in the dictionary and, until much much later on than the than the first time I have heard the word or was you know commented um, being commented using using the word because I was so arrogant I just didn't bother. <laughs> and uh, as soon as I looked it up, I, I guess it was. One of those moments that I just completely ignored. Mm. A few years went on, um, so I think I'm just rumbling again. Uh, but yeah, in terms of learning lessons, I do it by mistakes, um, and sometimes it takes me a long time before I realize that I was making mistakes. And obviously, eventually, I mean, in, into my twenties, um, I I started to. I, I, I don't know, I, I think it was my mid-20s when I finally started um, to have this self-development program when I, when I finally realized um, what my parents had been instilling into, into my mm. structure of thoughts and styles of thinking, which were um, absurd, to, to say the least. Um, I, I started, you know, thinking about self-improvements, how I can, you know, potentially dig myself out of this hole. Um, obviously, by the time I was already really socially isolated, um, I had very, very limited resources to, um, in, in terms of like personal connections to understand my mistakes. Because let's face it, you, if you don't talk to somebody, you're never going to find out how you are when you talk to somebody. Um, mm. And so there, there were very limited opportunities um, to, to like, to find out what is that you're lacking, and obviously in the in the last five years, I have I must admit I I have burnt a lot of connections that I formed with people, mostly because not purposefully, but mostly because I didn't know I still had these problems, and you know so people can be can only be be so forgiving to to a mm. certain degree and. I'm, you know, I'm not exactly expecting other people to be saviors or, or saints as such, yeah. And so I, you know, I what I tell myself is, even though the, the some of the lessons are extremely hard, and because you do actually start to become close friends with people, and then suddenly your flaws get in the way, and connections are lost, um, and this happened repeatedly over a period of time. So that's how hard um things can be and i just you know tell myself you know this is part of a learning process you've realized where it is that you have messed up and so you can work on not doing it again next time um you know it's like building up a lot of like self-awareness and reflection and you know yeah so uh yeah it, it's been a great journey and um it's, it's great fun and yeah, so, yeah, I'm still learning, obviously, and I still, actually, I still repeat some of the mistakes that I've been making, and, and you know, I just tell myself, like, self-awareness, you know, you know what happened this time, and 
and then I think about how I could have handled it slightly differently um, the, the next but you know I'm, I'm still stuck on certain things but yeah <laughs> wow I mean thank you so much for your candor because I guess first off I think I am also like you that I have to make all my own mistakes regardless of <laughs> But anyone tells me, I'm like, no, I will do this anyway, and I will have to pay the price for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, and I love this sort of sense of the relational element of self-development. Like, I feel like there's so much work we obviously can do with ourselves and on ourselves, but then there's something about being in connection with others that kind of like holds a mirror up and yeah reflects back things that sometimes we can't always see and and I don't know it just feels like a very human thing you know like I hear you sharing your journey and it feels like wow like that's the sort of process of becoming and I think there's probably so many more people who feel like they've done the same things and gone through those same processes and burnt those bridges like I'd love to meet the person that you mentioned who's like oh I just listen to what other people say and I never make mistakes because um, I'd be very curious yeah. to to see who that person is <laughs> yeah oh, I, we, you know we, we only see others in what we see you know there might be things going on in the background they might have made those mistakes elsewhere at a much <laughs> younger stage obviously <laughs> you know, people sort of learn to be friends in I don't know pre-primary school even like I just never really got the hang of it even though like this is like I don't know people actually you know thinking back just now like people became friends with me I didn't become friends with people um mm. obviously I lost them friends because they realized oh my god this this guy I don't want to be friends with <laughs> that's uh, okay it's life yeah hmm <laughs> thanks and yeah it seems like there's just still this this process that's unfolding isn't it so yeah um, i'll be curious hmm. for future things oh thank you <laughs> i you know <laughs> uh, i guess in, in consolation to, to myself like um i did think of the soft person i would like to become it has slightly changed since i was like 18 ish um when you know in, in the last year or two last year probably when i reflect on it I know it's COVID, so I probably, you know, it probably is a is a reason why I've not messed up as much because I've not met anybody. <laughs> but I do think I'm much closer to becoming, um, or, or changing, morphing into, uh, evolving in, into the person that I would like to become. So I'm glad to yeah. hear that. <laughs> I'm glad to witness it. Um, so I I kind of want to shift now in like to slightly more conceptual is not the right term but uh philosophical understanding <laughs> I guess just to understand like in your own perspective because obviously I don't know I have, I have this sense that you know each of us has our obviously own perspectives and realities that we inhabit and that we live and experience and I think this idea of mental health is such a big term isn't it? I mean, you work in mental health and you're sharing about your mental health now, but, you know, I think each of us will have our own slight mm. variation on it. And so I guess just quickly what mental health means to you or like your understanding of it. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm at least my job now, I feel like, you know, working in mental health and not even knowing what mental health is. So you know, uh, I, I always think there's this uh, 
there's this very popular slogan, um, there's no health without mental health. And I certainly think that. Um, because who who are we without um, having this sense of identity, a sense of meaning, um, sense of potentially, you know, some people like being hermits, um, connectedness with other people. Um, and the concept of mental health to me, sometimes it, it does get slightly mystified. It's a very, like you said just now, actually, philosophical concept because we all see ourselves differently, like you said. And in my, in my workplace, you really do get to see clients of a wide range of various backgrounds. And just like you said as well, um, reality is maybe different to all of us. And that would extend to even when we're using the same words to describe things. Um, the color red, for example. Yes, we, we would all see um, the color red, but am I seeing the same red that you are seeing? Um, you know, in terms of like intensity, shade, um, the type of contrast, the interaction that it has with other things, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you know, I know what I'm seeing, but are you really seeing what I'm seeing as such? And that really extends into mental health and experiences of mental health. People might come along and, and say, you know, they're having really, really bad, just using an example, like anxiety as such. Um, what is anxiety? Um, I feel really anxious and it's affecting me every day. I don't know what to do about it. It's a very simple sentence, yes. And yet we would all think about different ways of how anxiety and anxiousness seem like in our mind without, obviously we, we, we now, you know, um, in terms of like anxiety, we now dive into like, um, what, what is it in, in terms of emotions, what you're experiencing and obviously physical symptoms as such. Yes, that way we can kind of like tear into like little pieces so that we have better ideas of what you know what we mean when we use these words um but nonetheless you know if i i guess i'm, I'm losing the um the um, pedestrian um perception of of mental health the longer that i've worked um in, in mental health within, within the nhs and Apologize for digressing a little bit, but I think that's why that's one of the reasons um, why I, um, you know, every time one of the real talk events are on, that I make time and make the effort to, to attend as, as many as possible. Because um, even in my in my last um, three and a bit years of of um, working in, in mental health, I. I do very slowly feel that I'm becoming part of the system and and I am not sure I'm no longer really sure what it is that I originally wanted to deliver 
to the people and what I really originally, what, what sort of vision I have, you know, it's almost as if my vision is slowly become the vision of, of the, of the, um, of the team or the um, health board that I'm looking, uh, that I'm working for, sorry. Um, and, and so the, the events at a real talk um, are of great benefit to me because I think even from the first, very first one that I went to, uh, and potentially the only one that was held in Glasgow, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I was able to hear um, people's um, perceptions and experience of mental health services. And to me, that is extremely important and informative to my practice because we, you know, it, it feeds to the question, are we delivering um, the right service for people? You know, is it, we, we used to talk a lot about um, patients um, or person-centered care. Um, I, I don't know if, if the term has, has slowly um, dropped away, but, you know, I, or at least the, the concepts of it should have stayed around because especially in, in mental health where um, one of the really exciting things about working in mental health is um, there are no specific tools that you can use to measure a person's uh, experience. Like um, with blood pressure, for example, you can you know, use one of those um, um, you know, blood pressure machines to, to measure your blood pressure. Your, your pulse can be done by, by one of those um, um, sensors. Um, I used to know the professional terms for those things. I don't anymore. <laughs> um, in, in mental health, it's, it purely comes from what the person is saying and you have to um, really train up this non-judgmental non-judgmental um, mindsets as such so that you are not affected by your preconceived, preconceived ideas when you talk to somebody um, and I find that to be the um, most important um, values um, that a mental health work should have. Um, so um, that is, I, I spoke a lot about mental health just now, but not yeah, not mental health itself. So, so um, maybe I can <laughs> just reflect back quickly what I what I heard because yeah, I guess the question was around how do you understand mental health and what I heard from you is this sort of musing on this sense of kind of subjectivity in a way or or the really kind of personal human element of these different lived experiences that mm -hmm. you know come forward and the guys of people coming in and trying to access a service and then how that's so different and diverse and multi-dimensional um and then for you working within the NHS and working within a health service and mental health is yeah how how do those two things influence each other your own perception of mental health 
your perception as a practitioner um and then the kind of space of how we actually understand each other so yeah I think I think that's super that's super interesting so thank you <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I I just think I talk I talk a lot of rubbish and, <laughs> and it, it's great if someone listens. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a big it's a big question, like, isn't it? So I I'm, mean, I'm, I'm grateful. <laughs> I think it's nice. A lot of times we have you know, you know. So I am a mental health first aid trainer, and you know, so for me, like this sort of sense of you know a concise, clear answer. What is mental health? You know, like I feel like I could I could just give it to you, but. You know, is that really genuine? Sometimes I don't know. I think it is way more messy and and slightly nebulous. So I think you've done a great job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I guess then I think I'd like to sort of move towards endings now. Our conversation. Um, and I guess is there anything that you've developed along the way? So within your own story or set of stories that you know help you because it seems like you've gone through a lot of self-reflection and a lot of shifting and changing and and what yeah what helps in terms of storytelling i really don't know because i i i'm a very direct person i just oh, enjoy yeah i don't i don't even things. mean i don't even mean storytelling i just, <laughs> I just like saying things as they are you know like this is what <laughs> happened this is how i dealt with it and and this is how I see it. So ta-da. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I in terms of personal journey, um, I'm gonna revisit what I what I was speaking about earlier. Um, is that to, to start with is definitely that self-awareness and the determination and motivation to change it. Because a lot of times what I find is people are actually aware of of their flaws as such flaws and not really just characteristics um you know what we would like to change about ourselves what we would like that weren't really part of ourselves part of ourselves that we really um maybe even hated um when when we have this um self-awareness coming on one of the main difficulties is dealing with the emotional impact of suddenly realizing um, this side of myself is showing again. Um, the, the floor is is open for people to see. In, in my case, that's one of the biggest challenges, is is uh, opening up to people and letting people see the really awkward and weird mm. side of me. Because um, I, I don't know if I said it in my story, like when I um, when I finally started, you know, to to take away that arrogance within myself. Um, I, you know, there was this empty hole that was left, and I, at some point, I had no idea how to fill it, and so that was one of the biggest challenges: is how we, um, how we deal with the um, kickback. No, that's not the right term. Um, I don't know the, the punches mm. that that you know, realizing we had we are. We're not a perfect person, or we we have flaws as such, or they are really, or even just the process of finding out um, how we're not good at certain things, or how we would like ourselves to be in a slightly different manner as such. Um, so that's one of the challenges. The, the second challenge, what I find is um, 
is the 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 um the, the path um as we um as we continue to make progress because i i don't know maybe i play too many games right basically in games um when you make progress very extremely rarely would the progress re retract or, or go backwards as mm -hmm. such right so i sort of have this expectation that when i work on something when i practice something that if you know according to my previous expectations is that it should only get better <laughs> and when it doesn't i'm like huh wait what's happening <laughs> the progress bar has has reduced itself and i have <laughs> this is unacceptable <laughs> so um that is yeah that, that's that's another challenge because as you make progress you have to accept that firstly there's a ceiling of how far you can get okay some people may have excellent potentials reach the moon the mars outside of our solar system etc and some of us may literally only reach this this ceiling this ceiling mm -hmm. <laughs> um so and so we have to accept that, that there is you know we have o we only do have so much potential there's nothing stopping us from reaching it there's nothing stopping us from wanting to break that potential but we have to uh, again accept um that there will be times when we make a lot less progress or that's ourselves in, in, mm. in, in that and that's why yeah so but but yeah um and alongside the way um, we, we mustn't become full of ourselves or um become so so arrogant <laughs> full of ourselves mm. overly confident as such um that that's how i um how the, the essence of my self-improvement program i guess that i i gave myself um yeah 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 I, yeah promise i never read any books when i when i was doing it or, you know um, you didn't <laughs> I, I, I didn't i actually didn't because um i i no longer had the i still don't actually i'm still working on like it, building that that concentration and memory like mm. so when i started working um i you know i obviously started to to, to learn about graded exposure um and the and uh, what is that window. sorry I'm sorry um, i don't um, know great, graded Great exposure is basically a, a process of when you um, where you you break a task that you would like to do that you're not able to do yet for whatever reason into smaller achievement steps. So um, maybe someone's highly affected by anxiety and they're not able to um, go to a park even for a walk. So mm -hmm. if we break that into smaller achievable steps, the very very first step will be opening your front door and actually that is the first step and the second step would be to go go outside and and so we sort of break mm -hmm. all of these down um and then we try to build our goals and we, we try to encourage the person to, to accept that it's not always going to be a straight line as such um mm. but so kind of like exposure forms. therapy i guess i might have that would be a, a phrasing yeah i wouldn't know of it but i'm not sure if that's like the the right way to say potentially it. they're the same thing and i just uh, i don't know i'm pretty sure yeah, yeah. Oh, whatever um, i could be completely wrong and yeah so um and i've completely lost track of where i was before now so that's okay <laughs> I'm just gonna I... stop there <laughs> no thanks i mean we were reflecting on um sort of things that helped and so i think you were talking about your own 
journey to self-development and sort of the different considerations along that path and the sense that I guess progress isn't always linear and that um I thought of this thing I think I read it I don't know Instagram or something and it was like you know two steps forward and one step back is just a dance you know <laughs> and so this sort of sense of you know the progress sometimes is not always just the progress oh. bar isn't always filling but uh, then you're of dancing course. and it actually means yeah not only dancing you've also made one step forward <laughs> um, awesome uh, yeah mm-hmm. so to I, I guess I, I don't know if anyone happened to be like listening or, or watching uh what, what we're speaking I guess my my take-home message for people would be um you know always be motivated and not be so hampered um by by, by setbacks um and you know learn from every lesson and if you can like me um, is to ignore the, the emotional side of things because um, progress is what we're focusing on. See, well, thank you so much. Thanks, Stanley. I really have loved hearing your insights and your wisdom from your experience, <laughs> and I'm excited for people to be able to give this a listen. So thanks very much. Thank you. You've been listening to the Kiting Podcast, brought to you by Real Talk. First off, just a huge amount of gratitude to each and every one of our speakers for bringing their stories, their journeys, and their wisdom so generously. Thank you, guys. If you'd like to learn more about Real Talk and the Kiting Podcast, you can visit our website at realtalkproject.org backslash kiting. You can also follow us on Instagram at kitingpod. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review wherever you're listening in now, or you can also share this episode with someone who you think might get something out of it or enjoy it. This podcast was created and produced by me, Lily Ash. Our sound engineering is by Che Andras. I want to give a big thanks to Chloe Needham for our incredible logo and branding. And I also want to give some gratitude to Alette Willis for supporting with our storytelling workshops. And finally... We couldn't leave without saying thank you again to Unlimited, our generous funders whose support made this first season possible. So see you next time. <laughs>